Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. Femba can go to hell. Topical talk, outspoken opinion and inspirational conversation on the hour of Badass Power. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators but no one compares. Minter, Campbell and Sexton are your all new Saturday night super squad. Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. One, two, three, four. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And we're going to be here with you for the next hour or so, talking about things in the news that have grabbed our attention, including the death of, well the pornographer in chief I think but we're going to be discussing whether or not that's correct and Tinder and the amount of data it takes from you do you know exactly what they know about you um, but starting off Emma what is our first story this week well I know this is a story that has broken your heart this week yeah, Harriet it's devastated Hugh Hefner has died oh god the founder of Playboy the famous Playboy mansions the guy who basically made pornography Okay. Mainstream. Mainstream. Yeah, made pornography mainstream. mainstream. So yeah, he's died this week and uh, of, and it's been really interesting in terms of the news stories though. Uh, I know you've been commenting on the, the news, Harriet, but like there's a real divide and some people are like, oh, he was amazing and he did all this great stuff. He supported, because he's so liberal, he supported the rights of black people, gay people. Uh, and then there's other people that are like, actually, he's done nothing for for women he has done nothing for women so it's really interesting to me the response that and also I guess kind of the love that he generated because he did make pornography mainstream but he also created a huge lifestyle like the playboy lifestyle was something to aspire to something that young men wanted and then I look at it and I'm like this is this 91 year old man who was surrounded by kind of 25 year old blondes and I just think he looked like he had a really lonely, sad life. Why Why all this adoration? Do I, I don't, don't think he it. looked like he was lonely and sad <laughs> at all. <laughs> and I'm just thinking 10 years ago, because I don't really know his age. I obviously knew that he was senior, but I didn't know his age. Now, I remember 10 years ago, it was quite cool in the like late 90s. There were always parties at the Playboy Mansion. And he would have been 81 hosting those parties. <laughs> no, so that was late 2000s, my love. Yeah, we're older than that. We're older than that. Come oh on. my goodness, we're yeah, 17. Come on, come so we'd be 71. All right then, okay. But still. Be, but still. Yeah. Still going at 70. <laughs> I don't know. Now, which side of the fence did you come down on? Do you know? I don't think there is a side of the fence. I think 
this is multi- there are multiple layers to this. So it would be disingenuous of me to say that you know I'm like boo Hefner because that's not the case. Growing up for me, pop culture, hip hop culture, Justin Timberlake and Nelly did a video at the Playboy Mansion, and you know it it was fun. I remember I went I went to LA when I was it would have. 19 and we took a helicopter ride over and we went over the mansions and we saw some jump, jumping on the trampoline it was like oh there's the playboy mansion <laughs> so it wasn't something i was like oh this is a terrible place and these women are held in captive slavery to uh, the sexual whims of this man um so I, i'm not going to lie and say that's how i feel but i do fundamentally believe that profiteering of women's bodies if those women do not have the agency um if, if those women don't have agency is wrong. So I, the, 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 multiple layers. Am I going to be, you know, da- dancing and singing his praises in years to come and saying to my children, read the quotes of Hugh Hefner? No, unless there are some really good ones about business. But I, 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 I doubt it. It's a I, bit like my I used to read Trump books. I'm not going to read Trump books anymore. I don't know. So here is an inspirational quote from Hugh Hefner. The notion that Playboy... I like big butts, but I cannot lie. Almost. <laughs> the notion that Playboy turns women into sex objects is ridiculous. Women are sex objects. It's the attraction between the sexes that makes the world go round. That's why women wear lipstick and short skirts. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, <laughs> she was really interesting. Is I, you make a great point about how we judge people over time and mm. how opinions change depending on what's going on with society and how we think about it. Because I'm pretty certain, like, when I was 13 or 14, I probably had, like, a T-shirt with a Playboy bun on it or something I'm sure oh, gosh, I did I used to do merchandise some, yeah, yeah huge culture around it for that kind of era um, and now I look at it and I'm like this is just very very weird that actually he was the kind of epitome of men using their power for their own sexual gratification and the other thing that I find really strange about it is it was all about men's sexual gratification where was the stuff for women? Yeah. Wasn't there a Playgirl magazine? Though? There was for about two minutes and it died because it was essentially sex through men's eyes. They were interpreting what they thought women wanted. They didn't oh, actually get around to checking with the women. Oh, <laughs> and so it died. Um, so that is Hugh Hefner this week. He is no longer with us. What do you think? Are you sad that he's gone? Did you love it? Did you also have a Playboy Bunny t-shirt in the early 90s. Wait. Somebody tell me you did, please. Can I just come back on on Emma's quote? So I've just Googled some quotes of his. (laughs) And one is, life is too short to be living somebody else's dream. I have definitely had that on paper before. Um, And in my wildest dreams, I could not have, have imagined a sweeter life because he had women at his disposal. So I'm just saying, this is not black and white. It's not you're either for him or against him. Okay, so do tell us what you think. Let us know. Uh, Second story this week. So this is the one that I saw, and I'm, I'm really... On the one hand, my heart is warmed by it, and on the other hand, it's a little bit sad. So this is the news that this week, Saudi women can now legally drive. Yeah, because it was 2017, and there's a country in the world where women cannot legally drive. Um... I'm just, I'm so, I'm glad that this has happened. And the thing that I loved about this story is how it came to be. So it's come to be by a sort of just quiet protest by Saudi women for years and years, just getting in their cars and driving, even though it was illegal, even though they can be arrested, even though they can be physically punished, getting in their cars and driving until the point when actually everyone had to relent and say, okay, fine, you can now drive. Things they still can't do, vote, dress how they want, marry who they want, live as they want, but they can drive and I'm hoping this is maybe 
a step forward. Well, I, Emma? you know what? So I saw this story and I was like, this is great. I mean, we all know how backwards they are in that country. But I didn't realise till we sort of had our, our pre-show chat this morning and you explained how this had come about because I just thought, oh, great. There's some men getting a little bit more <laughs> open-minded and they've put no. this through. But no, it's... Te- and you're right. This has been... they've Because I remember it being in the news that they were like driving and there was uproar. And that was maybe a couple of years ago. But for me, it's, it just shows that... You know, in a country like that where they will kill you if you don't do as you're told. And these women have all kind of like got this almost like pack together to to put them put themselves out there and get arrested to affect change. I think that is phenomenal. It just shows you it doesn't matter how what's going on. You can always find a way to kind of push push what you want and it really reminded me um of cindy gallup last week talking about micro actions about the stuff that actually we can just we can just decide to do now what do you think well it's just come to come back on one on one of emma's points and a clarification so you said um we all know how backwards they are in in that country i think what we're talking about is the patriarchy because actually you know there's women that live in saudi that love where they live they maybe don't love all of the things they cannot do but Oh, I didn't. Say, well, I didn't say. I just said that it's backward in terms of these rules. I didn't yeah. say it's a bad place. I just said it's backward. It's but, backward. Yeah. No, and I, I don't disagree on that. But I, I think if I was listening to this, I'd be like, whoa, 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 because there are things that we know. also do that are wrong here too. There are, but equally, I think I'm going to say, I think if you're a country that doesn't let women vote, if you're a country that says men have right to decide what you as a woman do, that is a backward approach. I don't approve it. And I think we have to say that about Saudi. But I think we do. I think I, we, I agree with we that. That's what I'm saying. For the sake but of their the, oil, the, the patriarchy is backward. But there are people that that that, that live there, and I'm just saying. Let, oh, let's, yeah. just, let's just clarify. I definitely our wasn't point. saying that people who live in Saudi are backward. I definitely meant so, that. And that's whole it. I'm just yeah. It's the, the system. Yeah. Yeah. So just uh, clarification on that. Um, from the so one a friend of a friend. Um, well, her sister lives there. And the driving, especially with children, was a major issue because she could not go anywhere. She had to stay at home until either a driver came or her husband came back. So I can imagine that this is a big step forward for her and for the other women that are there. I think countries that are still withholding women's rights need to be challenged. I think they need to be challenged in a number of ways. They need to be challenged by other countries economically. They need to be challenged by other by other countries, but by those other countries also stepping up and doing what's right. So I'm pretty sure that there are people in Saudi saying, why are you telling us what to do when you don't even pay your women the same? Why are you telling us what to do when, you know, when you don't do X? Why are you telling us to do when... You... And I just think the political classes and, and, and different lobbies none of us no one's getting it right and it's still it just it's one example of 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 women's human rights for women just just being poor do you think this is going to be um a cascade now do you think this is the first of many things that are going to change or do you think they've just been oh i'm just so tired of arresting women i'm 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 frustrated it's one step forward we're talking about saudi but i just again it's why why as women do we still have to fight to just be equal because there are countries which don't let us be. So if we as women don't stand up and say that country is wrong for not allowing that, we are fundamentally not supporting the rest of the women out there. So no, no, I, I agree I, with you, I but I'm saying we, say you know, yeah, I'm not saying we don't have to say that, but I'm also we still have a pay gap. It's almost my exasperation at these things. We're celebrating small wins, but they're not they're not really wins, are they? Because 
Oh, I don't know. There's I think that's so a massive that win for do. Saudi. I do think okay. that's a massive I don't win know. for Saudi. We're, we're down. We're down on Saudi. We're, da- we're, we're, we're just down generally on down. We're down on down Saudi. On you, down on Saudi. But, oh, oh no, hang on. We're also down on Tinder. Are uh, we? Nat, <laughs> tell us about Tinder. What have they been up to this week? Uh, so this uh, was an interesting article because I think when we join a site like Tinder or you go onto any social media platform, you don't automatically... Uh, understand the amount of data that they're collecting on you. And this was a story of an individual who asked Tinder for their data using a freedom of information uh, request. And uh, she was sent 800 pages of her deepest, darkest secrets, which included the sorts of men that she was profiling, how many times she'd sent them various messages, the point at which she ghosted them, but also where she was at a certain point. Um and for her, it was astounding just how much they knew about her life and her intentions. And, you know, the, the, the question that she's asking is, is it right for companies to have this much data and use it for ultimately commercial purposes? Because they're selling on that data. We all think Tinder's free. It's not actually free because they're taking this information and selling it on and profiteering. And I was wondering whether or not they should be more explicit up front and say, instead of you know pages and pages of jargon, do you agree to these terms of and terms and conditions? It should just say, we're collecting data on you. We will have thousands of pages on all of your likes, all of your dislikes. If you agree to us having that, now join. And I think people would respond differently. So, um, so one thing is actually a guy who wrote the article, which I think is quite interesting because then they're looking at it from Judith. No, and it was uh, the original one was done by a guy called Paul. The, I've got asking for the 800 pages of thing, um, 800 pages of data. So okay. he was. Um, so I think that's interesting, partly because actually, if you live in a cult, in a country where it's not safe to be gay, mm-hmm. then actually that government can have all that information about you, which I think is a bit scary. Um, but the problem is, I know that whenever anyone presents me with a T's and C's box, I'm like, yeah, fine, whatever, click. Mm-hmm. Or when there are pages of T's and C's, I just scroll to the bottom. Yeah, fine. And I don't know how we make that. I don't know either how we get into our own psyche and say, actually, we have to be more responsible. And also then, what's the option? Because the option is either take it or leave it. Yeah. So we're just going to opt out? I don't know. Emma, would you opt out if you knew really how much data I'm, they were taking from you? Do you know what? I, I, I'm really not bothered about this data. I accept that when I'm on these free platforms, uh, and also because they are tech products, you gather data super easily and I'm and like and I just think that that is part of the whole thing about being on tinder what I'm quite interested in is me being somebody who likes to experiment and when I've done online dating <laughs> I had a toy boy phase I had an over 45 phase I'd quite like that data just to see what my success rates were because I think I know but I'd like to see what does the data actually say that's it as of tomorrow everyone's launching her own personal FOI request on tinder um, I do would you like to know would it help you with your dating tell us find us on Twitter at Badass Women's Hour HR at Badass Women's Hour tell us what you think we always want to hear from you yeah. uh, coming up we have got some amazing women who've written literally written the book on how to step up at work and they're going to be teaching us all their secrets so stay tuned for that Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio she'll get you talking 
Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And this week we're also lucky enough to be joined by the authors of the Step Up book, uh, Fenella Mayle Fine and Alice Olins. Thank you for joining us, ladies. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about the book and Step Up School, but just to start with, um, just a little bit about each of you. Alice, tell us your background and how you came to get be part of Step Up and create it? So my background isn't in careers, it's in Mm -hmm. fashion journalism. I uh, worked at the Times for 10 years and um, have worked at pretty much all of the kind of national broadsheets and glossies and I love words and that's my kind of thing, my shtick. And Fenella is an old friend of mine. She's married to um, a very, very old friend of mine (laughs) Um, and we have very different careers um, but kind of sporadically met over glasses of wine at different parties and always seem to end up talking about women and careers and feminism and decided about two years ago to do something about it. Fantastic. And Fenella, you've got quite a different background, right? So you come from a different place. We could, I mean, it almost could not be more different. (laughs) So my background is really corporate. I was a corporate lawyer in the city and then I um, moved across to be an equity fund manager at JP Morgan. Wow. Um, I then changed career again. <laughs> I, I am on my last career now. <laughs> um, I changed career again. I requalified in occupational psychology and I became an accredited executive coach. Um, and I, my, my kind of careers work is predominantly um, gender and diversity focused, coaching one-to-one and running kind of big women's leadership programs um, until uh, I met Alice and, and we formed the Step Up Club and gradually... Um, Although we continue to, do, I continue to coach, um, and Alice continues to write freelance. Actually, gradually we merge everything and step up, and inc- increasingly step up is taking over our life in so, a great way. <laughs> so, tell us a little bit what about what is the Step Up Club, and how do women get involved in it? So the Step Up Club is about changing the conversation around women's careers. So we believe that it's just as um, inspiring and valid to want to create your own version of success, to create your own business or just become an expert in something or stay on the career path that you're currently on as it is to want to be um, a CEO of a FTSE 100 company. We celebrate absolutely every version of success and we're there for all women, no matter what their industry. Obviously, we come from totally different backgrounds, but actually all the skills that you need are the same. And and the idea behind the Step Up Club is to provide women with emotional support, but also practical skills to go on the career journey and reach the career goals that they, they want to achieve. And when you started, what were the sorts of things women were saying they needed help with? Because I'm imagining, depending on where women are in their career, you know, for, for women that are coming through straight out of university is one thing versus if you're in your 30s and you've had 10 years of doing something, you might just be like, wow, actually, do I even want to do this thing I've been doing all my life? So what sort of things are they saying? Well, I think confidence and a lack of confidence um, underpins so much of what we do. It comes up in every event. It seems to kind of percolate through the book. We did one chapter on confidence in the book, but we literally could have written an entire book. We may write an entire book on building confidence. And I think um, that's definitely like a very um, strong theme in everything that we do. Um, And then as well as that, we offer practical hacks for uh, expanding your network about mm. um, self-promotion about um, style we've included style in there I think part of the point is to as Fenella said to modernise the conversation and bring 
careers out of the boardroom setting because career development doesn't have to be with a flip chart in a really dry environment yeah. and all the events that we do and the way that we package our content is always done in the way that you would talk about food or wellness or fitness or kind of beauty and that's what we feel very passionately about and and through that we kind of say style and substance so there's always the academic research it underpins everything that we say and do apart from when we talk about our earrings <laughs> uh, but, but in essence you know we have this kind of two sides of what we do and that reflects who we are as people and that's what we feel makes us unique and helps us resonate with lots of different types of women but yeah so the style and substance thing I think nice and so I was scrolling through my my Instagram and I saw photos of you guys in a shop window in a Caramillion shop window launching a campaign so tell us more about the campaign so the campaign's called Women Who Can and we were so excited to be able to work with Karen Millen on it. Um, we thought actually they were really um, they were really brave when they when well we, we came up with the campaign together and they said, you know, let's not make this about product at all. Let's make this about doing something for our customer. Um, and what they wanted to do was empower those women, number one, to feel more confident, um, but then also to develop some of the other career skills that we talk about, resilience, leadership, um, knowing what your success actually is knowing what your goals are um, and they decided to do that through a variety of different ways that we kind of came up with them so um, there are live events we are halfway through a tour of their UK shops Amazing. Um, next stop is Belfast uh, on the 26th so this is going to be a really I, I will s- actually be there I will, I will know what's a, what, what. a random side point when I go to Belfast it reminds me of New York okay. no one believes me when I say this so I want to know what you think when okay. you go, if cool. you f- if you just get a hint of this could be New York or Manchester, let me know because everyone thinks <laughs> we'll I'm crazy. You. We'll message you. We're really excited yeah. to go. Brilliant. So we're halfway through that, um, and then we've created video us talking about kind of our, our journey and our success, and then we've profiled um, this series of incredible women across uh, all different um, all different industries to talk about different aspects of their career success. And we were in the window, which was really exciting. <laughs> Very <laughs> no, exciting. Again. So your we'll advice, do you think that you're targeting uh, a certain uh, type of woman at a certain age and point in her life? Or do you feel that is this something that goes across the board? Because when you talk about you've got your step up score and you talk about careers, I'm immediately thinking as well of like all those kind of girls who are like 18 or mm. 16 and you're choosing your careers and you get told to go into just... It feels like there's quite a quite a um, a disconnect between what schools might be saying versus what happens when you get out of the real world, mm. and then you get to a point where you're like, "Hang on a minute, how can I really excel in my career?" So, are you targeting a specific type of woman? Do we're, you think? Definitely not. Um, I think inevitably we're still growing and in our relative infancy because this hopefully is going to continue over many many decades. But um, at the moment women kind of in a similar age bracket to us seem to be kind of jumping on the bandwagon first but having said that um, when the book came out first of all my mother-in-law actually proofread it for us (laughs) before the proofreader proofread it which was quite useful because I have lots of typos in my work and and she's retired and she said actually there's so much in here that still really resonates with me and I think the point of that is that 
underneath and then we had exactly and then we had this journalist who was in the kind of twilight of her career I would say but reassessing things again um, who felt that it also spoke to her and I think the point is that as well as the specific career advice it's life skills advice it's coaching people in their life and that's the kind of two sides of the coin the emotional support applies to anyone and we really desperately want to speak to those 16 18 year olds 21 year olds millennials who are suffering and that is definitely on the agenda to kind of target those um, groups of women and hopefully things are kind of changing and percolating through and definitely our woman is expanding in terms of her age group but yes the book applies it's kind of unexpectedly to us we didn't necessarily think that older women would necessarily you know we kind of thought it would be women more who were our age but people really have um, had I don't know my my 19 year old cousin that was absolutely obsessed with it and this this journalist who was in her 50s arrived and her copy oh yeah it was amazing sorry I'm far away her (laughs) copy of the book was was absolutely filled with post-its it must have had 100 100, over 100 post-its in and and that was really exciting for us to think you know we can reach a 19 year old girl but we can also reach a woman in her mid 50s and what we're saying is so valid for for both of them I love how you've also got that emotional support when I was um, flicking through the, the copy that you've given us and you've got the CBT model haven't you in mm. terms of changing the way you think and I love how that's been put aside you know stuff uh, you know alongside information in terms of style or networking and that you know we start to make these conversations about our emotional and our you know our, the way we think about the world as yeah. an important part of that career development as it is about your networking skills and the style that you choose. I think obviously always but much more kind of um, person now is that work and life are inextricably linked and I think especially as our careers evolve at a time where the internet has allowed us to work freelance or you know work from home everything is becoming so much more blended and so therefore the advice that we're offering is a blended type of advice that applies to that and in a way that makes us feel quite cheery that we you know we can offer something that is very timely as well and it feels like we can offer this kind of holistic package when we're when we're running things like for example step up school when we've got real women in the room um there is there are often tears mm-hmm. really really often tears because you you just can't you can't um extricate your career from your from your life it's it's just not mm-hmm. possible so I want to talk to you about career changing because I think that's something that a lot of women get to a certain point in their career and they look at it and they go, this is not what I thought it would be or how I really want the rest of my life to look. But you've had 10, 15, 20 years of people saying, wow, you're doing so well. You should be going for this. You're achieving this. You work for this amazing organisation. You work for the leader. How do you then kind of step away and say, I guess, take the ego out of it and say, no, who I am is more important than what I do. Are there kind of any tips for women at that point where they think they want to make a change, but they're not quite sure how to let go? Vanilla. Yeah. Um, so there. I mean, uh, probably about hundred, but I'm just going to keep it really short. Um, I, I think I say uh, two that are, I think are really, really important that we talk about a lot. So number one would be really, really go back to the basics and understand what it is that is important to you. And it sounds really obvious, but actually it isn't something that we often do. So we see loads and loads of women who have these careers, and when you know, looking from the outside in, they're so incredibly successful in inverted commas, but actually they don't feel very happy and therefore they don't feel very successful why not because they've been striving for a definition of success that was not theirs it was society's or their Mm. parents or somebody else's and so you really need to strip it back and go back and do some real in-depth thinking about you know what motivates me what is important to me looking back over your life 
past experience and also imagining into the future and 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 kind of pull all those strands together to uh, create a kind of more ideal career future that would be one thing so that's a kind of very cerebral Mm -hmm. aspect but then there's also a practical aspect so there's a really brilliant book called um, Working Identity. I mean, obviously, nearly as brilliant as our book. Um, there's a really brilliant book called Working Identity by Herminia Ibarra. And um, she is a, uh, a kind of well-known professor in the careers uh, sphere. And she talks about the fact that you can't just think about careers. You've got to experience careers. It's like yeah. relationships, right, or, or anything. And so what she says is when you are changing career particularly, you need to go and try to have experiences. So, for example when I was changing career from law into in the end banking I went and I and there were lots of things I had thought about doing and I shadowed a teacher for three days I mean literally the most exhausting three days of my life <laughs> um, I went and did you know had meetings with all different people did work experience and so I, I think that kind of actually doing is also really important fantastic thank you so we've got some great advice there already but we're going to have more because the step up club are staying with us they're going to be here for our badass balls ups when we use our combined wisdom to try and solve your problems and this week we are going actually we've got all the ages this week we're helping a 71 year old with a gym class so that is coming up next Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. And this week we're also joined by the creators of the Step Up Club and authors of Step Up. Fenella Mail Fine and Alice Owens. Lovely to have you here, ladies. Thanks for staying. So, this is the time of our week where we try and help you. It is our badass balls ups, where we try and use our combined wisdom over 100 years, because we're all quite old, (laughs) to help solve your problems. And we've got three really different ones this week. Uh, Emma, what's up first? Well, the first one's quite a good one, because my mum's been listening to the show, obviously. (laughs) Mama Sexton. I've basically turned her into a rabid feminist now. And she, she. messaged me this week she was like I do this weekly exercise class at my local gym she's 71 and she said with, with about 20 other women she said there's a new man leading our exercise class and he keeps saying well done guys and she says I don't think they should be calling us guys what do you think and do I let him know that I don't like it and I was thinking about that because I was like actually I've used that term hi All guys the time. What do All we, the time. How, what do we think about but- that term so I've been pulled up for using it when I like go and talk at an all women feminist event. I'm like, so guys, <laughs> no, people at the front are like, uh, no, um, and I do get pulled up on it. And I think language is really important. So it's actually for me the point about this is not that they're call- he's calling the group of women guys. It's that as a group they're not happy with it. And so I think it's kind of up to them to say actually, it's we appreciate that it's coming from a good place and you want to kind of jolly us along, but could you use something else could you use people or hey all or right class let's go you know it's just actually if you're not comfortable with it i think it's at 71 wendy sexton you have earned the right to say so (laughs) be badass wendy (laughs) alice Fenella, what do you think I actually was no. in a class recently and the guy kept saying ladies and I found that so much worse than guys. So I really, uh, I really, um, I really sympathise with that. Um, and I think that, you know, I totally agree with you, Harry. I think you've got a right to be called whatever you want. If someone was speaking to you one-to-one and they were addressing you in a, a way that you found offensive or uh, inappropriate, you would just say. So just yeah. go for it. 
Alice, is there a way to do it and also kind of still keep it lighthearted and not make anyone feel that you're passing on blame or that you think they're a really terrible step teacher? Um, Isn't humour always the answer in these type of situations? Um, Maybe she could offer the phrase ladies as a a negative alternative and say we are struggling with it and we understand um, that it is something difficult. I don't think this is the right term, but I call my daughters chicks, which is cute because they're little and they run after me and they feel like chicks but I don't know what I'm going to call them when they're 18 and they don't want to talk to me not chicks um what about team because we also we we have to we have to talk to our team our followers our newsletter readers and um, Fenella doesn't like team actually but we also struggle with that because we don't want to go hey ladies or hey girls and we've also we normally say lovely friends hello lovelies (laughs) (laughs) Uh, just something friendly and maybe uh, non-gendered would be appropriate (laughs) I was just remembering when you said you call your daughters chicks my dad when I was growing up and my mum actually both parents used to call me sausage They'd be Aww. like, hello, sausage. It is cute until you're 15 and they're doing it at the school gates and then it's not cute at all. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so if you don't like the language, say so, but do it with a bit of humour, I think. That's our view, isn't it? Now, what is the problem you've got this week? So this week, uh, my problem comes from May and May says, I launched my disruptive business three months ago and I have had a fantastic response from my industry as I'm creating real positive change in the way women can work. But I had a conversation with a leading industry publication and they, they told me my idea was ridiculous and it's damaging the traditional ways of working and would never actually work in the long run. It really upset me as we are at such an early stage, it's knocked my self-belief. How can I better respond to these haters? Oh, the haters. Mm. Um, do you know what? I'm about to be a hater. I hate the word disruptive. Do when you? anyone Why? tells me their business is disruptive, I'm like, yeah, you and every other bloody business out yeah, there. Yeah, but I think that's so really exciting. Used. It's really exciting. Though. But do you not feel like somebody says, I've got a really disruptive business, and then they're like, so I've decided to launch an ice cream company. I'm like, no, it's not that disruptive. Well, no, right? this isn't. But I think if you are fundamentally changing an industry for the better... Yeah, and you are really shaking, especially because this is what I find really interesting about the whole rise in entrepreneurship and how easy it is to set up businesses now. Is that we are seeing a lot more products and services from women. I've said this before on the show, so I think if you are changing an industry for the better because you have a perspective on that industry and you are solving a problem that's been ignored or unidentified, I think that's really exciting. But the challenge with that is you are going to get people who are defensive. You know, if you're a leading industry magazine mm-hmm. and you're changing what they might talk about they're not going to be very happy about that. So particularly on Twitter, because we know that if you're a woman on Twitter, you can be subject to a lot of abuse. How can you manage that? Is it about resilience? I don't know. Alice, as a journalist, you must get some kind well, of in, in my head feedback. I was just thinking I um, never trust a journalist anyway because <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got first-hand uh, knowledge of that. Um, I mean what doesn't break you makes you stronger type vibes you know I th- I agree with what you're saying Emma um, it's exciting and if somebody in, in in a position of power is questioning you uh, maybe that's validation backhanded validation and yes it's difficult um, when you're starting off and certainly what we felt it you know you start small you can't ever imagine becoming big and disruptive because you your touchstones are kind of like your kitchen table and you know everything seems so small and you're so involved in it on a day-to-day basis but I would say that um, 
in a weird way that's something positive if they've got such a if they've got such a a kind of strong opinion if they were wishy-washier about it maybe it would be less inspiring i think that's true it's something about having a strong reaction to stuff i don't know now do you think it's about actually just being able to appreciate that they've had a strong reaction but step back from the personal of it I don't know. I've, I've said this before. As soon as someone starts to give you negative feedback in that way, they're jealous, they're threatened, um, they're completely projecting. So I would, if I would take from the conversation any useful things to help you build your product, and then I'd ignore them and just get on doing the thing that you're doing. Because if people are fundamentally buying it, then there's a market and there's an opportunity. So keep going. Yeah, and I think also just appreciating that, that actually dealing with that negative feedback sometimes it takes energy. And so particularly I find if you're like on social media and you're getting lots of feedback on social media and it's you're like, oh, this is great because I've started something. Lots of people are talking about it, but equally lots of people are shouting at me about it. Close down. Just close it down and take yourself off for a nice day. Remind yourself about all the great (laughs) stuff you're doing and let it go. Also mute. The mute button is excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So our final problem this week. Um, Oh, I responded. Oh, it actually fits with what I was just saying. Fabulous. I responded to a tweet on a controversial topic and for some reason it went a bit viral with over 150 people retweeting it. It was mostly negative feedback. Should I delete it or avoid responding to these conversations in future? That actually comes from Jenna on Instagram. Thanks, Jenna. I'm sorry. I feel like I've just preempted your thing. It fits with the other one. Um, Guys, Twitter, social media, always a happy place, not a happy place. Um, we've had a few things that we've done where we've got um, where we've got negative feedback. One thing happened really, really early on. I mean, it was right at the beginning of Step Up, I think it was I before we'd even published say. the book and we did this event and we put some video and and some we, we have no idea oh, which yeah. one of us he was talking about, but he, he, he wrote, we, I don't know, it was some feminist topic which we talked about and, and he wrote back to us saying, wow, that brunette is really hot. And, <laughs> and, and, I, and I read it and I got more and more cross and I didn't do anything and then I decided, you know, I was so cross that, and what, you know, what do we stand for um, and I wrote back to him I don't know I can't even remember what I wrote back um, and we ended up in this kind of singing match and I thought you know what afterwards my husband said oh you know why did you respond and I thought actually no you know what we should be responding we had another one on Instagram about something else um, and, and and at that point it was Alice who was like you know what I need to respond to this because actually we have an opinion there's a reason we've put that out there so I think you know it's it is it's it's exactly what you said it's it's all about jealousy and it's about what's going on in other people's heads i mean it, it relates back to the cbt model in our book that you were talking about earlier most people's reactions to things or to things that you do are nothing to do with you mm-hmm. they're always to do with them mm-hmm. so, true. so you know you need as long as you're really confident and happy in what you're pursuing then you can some people who just want to pick a fight don't they mm. they just want an excuse mm. they're a bit bored they're on these platforms you know if you just want to wind somebody up the fe- and the feminist angle if you post anything that is supportive of a minority or a, a different perspective you're going to get people who are just going to like oh yeah here's something to have a little little argument about and uh, yeah I yeah I try not to retaliate to any of these do you know what actually I was thinking about this so last night I got myself I, I mean, I didn't say I get myself, like, I put myself in the position of um, trolling a troll. So I <laughs> had been asked on the BBC to talk about, so, oh, sorry, talk radio. I asked on the BBC to talk about um, Hugh Hefner, and it had gone out on Twitter, and some people had said some not nice things about me in response to my view on Hugh Hefner. And one of them was really just quite stupid. And I thought, this is just going to be really enjoyable for my bus journey home. I'm just going to troll you back. <laughs> But in doing it, I realised actually how addictive it can be 
And I suddenly had this whole other view on the people that send me these messages and really kind of go for me. I was like, actually, this isn't, this is nothing to do with me at all. This is all about where they are in their personal space at that time, looking for something to distract them from real life. And suddenly when you look at it from that point, you're like, actually, I feel really sorry for you because this is just... Just another form of yeah. addiction going take on so here, much really. Time. Some of these people must be on Twitter for like eight hours a day. Yeah. So I have two categories. Um, so specifically for my personal one, but also Badass Women's Hour, Twitter. If someone is giving genuine um, feedback and they disagree with something, that is perfectly fine. We don't need to agree. And I will engage or, or will engage and say, you know, sorry, or, you know, if you think we said something wrong, great, your opinion's valid. If I think it's someone that's in the trolling space, you get muted and blocked. I don't even respond to your behind. I have no time for this. So, and and that's my that's my quick sort of distinction. So, valid, you're part of the the squad, you're sharing a thought, fully engaged. Anything other than that, keep doing whatever you're doing wherever you are. <laughs> Great advice. Also, is squad a good word for your mum? Oh, yes, it's kind of got a sporty edge. I don't know, you just said it, and I was thinking, I could just see them all working out. Mama Sexton, (laughs) going on Monday, and so you want to be called the squad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The official new term for all (laughs) athletic based activities. So, um, if you've enjoyed this, we've hopefully given you something to think about. But if you've got something you want to talk to us about, you've got a problem you need some help with, you can tweet us at Badass Women's Hour, HR, at Badass Women's Hour, or you can find us on Instagram or Facebook. Facebook, all the socials, do come and chat to us because we really love it, even when we don't agree with you. <laughs> um, a big round of applause to the fabulous Step Up Club. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, guys, if people want to find out more, where can they find you? They can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the usual, at the Step Up Club. And also uh, on our website, you can sign up. We send out a newsletter every single week and all our events in Step Up School all sell out through that. And it's step-up-club.net. Fabulous. Thank you. Uh, stay tuned because we are going to be talking about an amazing woman from history. And this one was a campaigner, a reformer, and also a Quaker. Our first Quaker on the show. Uh, coming up next. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewellery. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection. Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And this time we're also joined by stylist, digital features editor Harry Hall. Hi, Harry. Hello. 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 So you're going to be talking about our backdated badass this week. Who have you picked and why? Yeah, well, I am going to talk about Elizabeth Fry. And I've decided to talk about her on the week that we've all started to get our new Jane Austen £10 notes. Because it was actually Fry's face that was on the £5 note before it was replaced by Winston Churchill last year. So I think it's a good time to talk about her. Wow, I had never noticed her on the £5 note. I'm, I've got to pay more attention to my money. That's probably my <laughs> bank manager saying that too. Uh, so why was she on a note? What has she done? So um, she was actually a prison reformer. Um, she was active during the 1800s. But I think sort of the, the title prison reformer doesn't really describe how exceptional she really was and the impact that her work had. Um, she was born into a wealthy Quaker family in Norfolk. And from a young age, her family, along with her family, she devoted her time to um, helping the disenfranchised, the homeless and the underprivileged, um, and then actually, at the age of 20, she got married and had, um, not all at the same time, obviously, but she eventually had 11 children, which is wow. um, incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was really, um, it was later, it was in 1812 that she really found her purpose. Um, and through her work, through her philanthropy, she heard about the squalid conditions of Newgate Prison. So Newgate Prison was in London, sort of around the Old Bailey Um and she heard about the conditions and she, she said, Look, I've got to visit immediately and, and, and find out how, how bad this place is. And at the time, actually, prisons were housing both men and women. And Britain had an absolutely enormous number of prisoners. So when Fry arrived at Newgate Prison, um, she found hundreds of women huddled into small rooms, lying on floors. Many of them were holding babies. Um, they didn't have bedding. These were really degrading circumstances. And, you know, people were sleeping, eating, and relieving themselves all in the same cell. So you can only imagine the horror um, that she felt when she arrived and saw this. Um, and what's more, it, not all of these women were convicted criminals. Um, some were mentally ill, and some were just awaiting trial. So, you oh. know, she got there and thought, well, this is absolutely not acceptable. Um, and so, where, so where did she take it? How did she even get started in actually reforming that? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a real journey, actually. So she, so the day after she had visited for the first time, she went back home and she gathered bedding, um, she gathered clean clothes, and she took them to the women, and she went back on a daily basis. Um, and if you think about it, in the 1800s, this is a really dangerous thing for a woman to do. I mean, yeah. there was a real risk of violence and not to mention disease in the prison, but she kept going back. Um, and then eventually in 1813, she um, spent the night behind bars to see what it was to see what it was really like. So that's one of the things that stood out. Um, she wrote this in, in her book, Prisons in Scotland and the North of England. And not only did she stay in these prisons, but she also invited uh, nobility to come and stay mm. to see for themselves. And I feel like it was a really early form of campaigning from an emotional perspective in terms of, you know, this is the reality, uh, but also 
getting people on board because she she then spoke at, at the House of Commons and again I, I did not note that she was on a five pound note and I have not noted that she has done all of this work in terms of prison reform um, so I feel very very stupid which I do every week when we cover a woman that I've never heard heard of um, so thank you for bringing her to to our attention um, but she also then went on to help the homeless tell us more about that yeah, exactly. So so what you were saying that I think is really interesting, um, just to sort of backtrack a bit on her on how her work sort of actually changed laws. I think that's really interesting because along with her prison work, she um she helps the homeless, she established night shelters, and she actually even founded a nursing school that um influenced Florence Nightingale, which is incredible. You never hear about that. Yeah. Um but with her prison work, um, she kept going back. You, you know, it's really interesting. Like you say, she invited nobility along and she became a mentor to the women, taught them life skills um, and even accompanied them to the gallows. I mean, this was a time of capital punishment. So um, she became known as the angel of prisons. And I think her work with prisons is so interesting because eventually, you know, she founded this society called the Association for the Improvement of the Female Prisoners of Newgate. And that was sort of the beginning of this sort of wave of change that her work sparked. And um, she actually became, yeah, the first woman in 1818 to um, give evidence at House of Commons Committee. She was invited to audiences with Queen Victoria. And eventually in 1823, um, she inspired the Prison Prison Reform Act, as you say. And, and I think what's really interesting compared with then what we see in prisons now is we don't see men and women uh, male and female inmates sharing a prison let alone a cell um and prisoners undertake paid work now and prison is seen as a place of rehabilitation rather than just punishment you know she really sparked this movement where you know inmates prisoners were seen as humans and should be treated as humanely so i i think that's just so fascinating and so impactful because people don't People don't think of, you know, the criminal justice system or prisoners or, you know, people that have committed crimes as worthy of that kind of attention. And, and she did. And I think that's incredible. Harry, do you know what her driving force was and why she chose um, prison specifically? Um, do you know anything about the background of, of what got her to, to really focus on changing that? So, so the thing is, so she, her background really was she, she was from this wealthy Quaker family and, and she was lucky enough to have the privilege to spend her time helping people because you know they were they were from a wealthy family they were comfortable and they dedicated their time through their religion to helping people so she really grew up in this in this world where she was taught to you know get involved in sort of the community and philanthropy and as i said she was helping the homeless from a young age and the underprivileged and it was actually um, a family friend who had said um, they'd had a conversation. He said, I visited this prison. It was absolutely horrendous and you've got to go. And basically from the moment she visited Newgate Prison, that was it. She 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 didn't turn back. You know, she had to had to tackle it. And then eventually um, she was touring the country, visiting other prisons, published her book, as Nat's mentioned. And actually the Russian, the French and even the Australian government sought her advice um, on how they should reform their prisons. So... I think basically she, you know, she was she was interested in it, and then it just carried on from there. Um, and then, as I say, you know, she extended her work into nursing. Um, but the really sad thing I think about all of this is, you know, if you think about women's situation in the 1800s, she really stepped out of what was the kind of domestic confines to um, put her head above the parapet and do something to help people in a very dangerous situation. And actually, she received enormous criticism for it. Mm. Um, she was criticised for being an absent mother. 
um, which she wasn't. She just happened to be a mother who was working. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, when she died in 1845, her impact was so huge that a thousand people stood in silence um, while she was buried. And then, you know, of course, she ended up on the five pound note. So I think she managed to get a recognition properly. Finally. But she had to go through the same criticism we're all still going through today. Yeah. Her work has been amazing. So thank you so much for bringing her to our attention, Harry. And I thank think you're you so writing much. a book about amazing women as well, aren't you? Coming out yes, soon. I am. Um, yeah. So you'll find Elizabeth Fry appearing in that book coming out um, in March. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Harry. Um, so that was Elizabeth Fry, our backdated badass this week, an amazing woman campaigning for incredible reform. Uh, we've had some really great backdated badasses mm. recently. Oh, I'm we? learning so yeah. much with these, but also I just see that there's just so many threads of like women just changing things that we're still seeing today, and I. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, the I'm stories are consistent in terms of the, the struggle then and the struggle now yeah, yeah, and yeah. how they were heckled or not believed, or yeah, yeah. but they still broke through anyway. So it's come to that time of the show. We're heading towards the end. But as ever, we like to leave you with a little something to live your life by in the next seven days. It is our badass principle of the week. What is it this week, Nat? The badass principle this week is Step Up and it was inspired by our guests. I'm sitting here looking at their book and, you know, they're talking about confidence and success and doing it in 10 minutes a day. So let's all think about what's one thing that we can do for 10 minutes each day to step up and be an Elizabeth Fry, take on the system or just <laughs> do do your day a d- little bit differently. Not have that coffee, not have that drink, or always have the drink, but, you know, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to step up into. Um, so what are you going to step up to this week? Um, what am I going to say? I think, do you know what? I think stepping up is like a constant theme in my life. I've always been one of these people who's always pushing out of my comfort zone to like develop my confidence, to develop, just get over anything that fears me. So I think step up for me is like make that my default. So whenever a situation happens and you're not feeling confident or you're feeling a bit intimidated that you just step up, own it and yeah make it I like that I'm going to steal that too step up and own it <laughs> um, so this week we are also we're going to remind you that if you really love the show in fact if you love us so much you want more of us you can come see us in person because we're all doing lots of really exciting things that we thought we'd tell you about just very quickly Emma what have you got coming up this month yeah so uh, some of you listeners might know that I have a network for entrepreneurs called Flock and we have everything we do is around having a mindset of collaboration and helping each other build our businesses we have a really exciting event on Wednesday the 11th of October where I will be interviewing Sarah Wood from Unruly Cool. Uh, so, and I am starting a coaching program for women. So, women listening in, uh, it's called the Electric Nine, and it's all about helping you develop your very best self. It's over four and a half months, so it's quite intense. Um, but we've got a couple of places left. It's a very, very small group, so small places. But I would love to see anyone there. It starts on October 16th, and you can find more details about it um, on my Facebook page, Harriet Minter. I'll put some on the Badass Women's Hour Facebook page as well, or on Twitter, all those things as well. And that, where can people find you? And lastly, uh, in partnership with the Guardian Masterclasses, um, I'm running a boot camp for freelancers to hack all of the different things that stop us being as, as successful as we possibly could and that starts on the 30th of October if you go to the Guardian Masterclasses page all the info is there amazing I love it I'm going to come to that okay so that's us and also if you don't want us in person you just want us on Twitter you can find us well find us at Badass Women's Hour HR at Badass Women's Hour or you can find us individually Nat at Nat D. Campbell Emma 
at Emma Sexton, but or, no trolls. <laughs> so no trolls. Or you can find me at Harriet Minter. And of course, we'll be here again, same time, same place, on Talk Radio next week with the Badass Women's Hour. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Camp. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods, for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist-approved, so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Bull and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking.